chapter 8. We've been in Romans for several weeks now, and uh, well, several months in Romans and several weeks in chapter 8. Really, the whole series on chapter 8 has kind of stood under this one idea that uh, Romans chapter 8 tells us that there is an absolute security for the children of God. And particularly, uh, Romans chapter 8 has dealt with the work of the Holy Spirit, the blessing of the Holy Spirit. So we come this morning to just two verses in chapter 8. We are now at verses 26 and 27 of Romans chapter 8. So if you're able, please stand for the reading of God's word. Romans 8, 26 and 27. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows What is the mind of the Spirit? Because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. What an amazing passage. What an amazing passage. Uh, I have goosebumps now just thinking about it. What a glorious passage. What a glorious truth. Grass withers, the flower fades. But the word of our God, it will stand forever. You may be seated. The Spirit helps us in our weakness. The problem with weakness. We hate weakness, right? When my boys would complain about pain because, you know, I just didn't let them win when we wrestled. What would we say about pain? Oh, son, walk it off. Pain is weakness leaving your body we hate weakness we try to hide it from others try to hide it even from ourselves we purposely steer away from people sometimes from commitments and situations that might bring up our weakness and the scriptures say the spirit helps us in our weakness god knows them and they often come up to light For our good. Here it's saying uh, one of our weaknesses is that we we don't even know what to pray for as we ought. In the context of Romans 8, we've talked about lots of our weaknesses, right? The whole context of it comes out of chapter 7, where he says, Restless man that I am, who is going to rescue me from this body of sin? And then he says, But thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I mean, it it goes weakness after weakness all the way through chapter 8. There's no condemnation. Why does he say that? Because we feel condemned. Why does he say that? As we wrestle as Christians who have been saved, who have been washed, who have been cleansed, who have been blessed, who have been filled with his spirit, and we still struggle with our sin, we think, I'm condemned. Right? Think about what we've gone through, first of all. Verses 2 to 8, it's the Holy Spirit who? Or the Holy Spirit himself. Uh, very careful that Paul is here to say that the Spirit is, is a person. You know, we, we often talk about it with the, the definite article, right? The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. But he's here, the Holy Spirit himself. 
The Holy Spirit himself enables us to fulfill the law through Christ. We see that in verses 2 to 8. The Holy Spirit enables us to put to death the deeds of the flesh and to battle the indwelling sin in verses 9 to 13. In verses 14 to 17, the Holy Spirit confirms our adoption. It speaks to our spirits that we belong to God. It's the Spirit that says, cry out to your Father, Abba, Father. Verses 18 to 23, it's the Spirit that guarantees our inheritance in the midst of groaning. Verses 24 to 25, it's the Spirit that gives us a rational hope for complete salvation as we cry, How long, O Lord, will I wrestle? It's maybe the most thoroughly theological chapter in the Scriptures on God the Holy Spirit. And it's interesting that in all of this and towards the very end, uh, it, it is not concerned about the gifts of the Spirit, but it is concerned about the ministry of the Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit. And it's God who sends the Spirit for His children. You remember when Jesus tells His disciples of His impending crucifixion. He then tells them that my Father is going to send the Spirit and you will actually do greater things because I'm going to my Father because He sends the Spirit. How mind-blowing for them to think along those lines. God the Holy Spirit, God the third person of the Trinity would come and dwell with his people. And because of his indwelling in his people, greater things would happen. The Spirit himself. In our context, uh, he has said that uh, provided we also suffer with him. We talked about that uh, last week, that many people like to quote all parts of Romans 8, but they don't like to quote that part. You know, provided we suffer with him. And so I think it's in that context where he is saying, likewise, so that's where we pick up in our text this morning, likewise, or in the same manner, he says, uh, in our groaning, the Spirit groans. It's an amazing context. Right? He said, creation groan, we groan, and something inside of us that's just not, not right, and we long for it to be made right, to be fixed, to be whole especially in light of weaknesses and in community. We, we, we long for it. And he says that's, that's this groaning inside, this longing for glorification in human beings. And last week he said it's also in all of creation. And now, he says, the Spirit himself groans. How wonderful. We are weak, we are fickle, we are sinful. At some points we are tempted to believe that God has finally or will finally give up on us. We groan, we wait, we suffer. Sometimes we feel as if it is too much. And I'll tell you, even this week, preparing a Sunday school lesson on the love for God. Just that phrase, my love for God. Finding in all of my life and my my. my hopes and dreams and thoughts how the love for God is just so shallow in my own heart and crying out to him father I'm to lead a people I'm to preach your word and yet at times my heart is so cold to you it is not what it should be there is a groaning for what should be right how wonderful that he says the spirit 
likewise groans with you. It's all connected. God, the Holy Spirit, who's been deposited to us. The Spirit helps us. But how does the Spirit help us? Does it say the Spirit helps us when we help ourselves? The Spirit say uh, He helps us uh, as long as we're in worship, once a month, once a week. No, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. In fact, the Spirit's one of the Spirit's job is for Him to show our weakness. And this comes from the Apostle Paul's writing, who says, uh, I, I, "I ask God to remove this thorn in the flesh." And God the Spirit said, no, my strength is perfected, is made complete in your weakness. And so the sermon and sentence this morning is, is about the simplest one I've ever made. Maybe the simplest in any Presbyterian sermon ever. The Holy Spirit is on our side. God the Holy Spirit is on our side. I remember at 18, maybe even before that, 17, uh, I don't know if every boy goes through this with his mama at 16, 17. There came some point, you know, where it's just like, don't tell me what to do. I, I can't wait to wrestle myself free from these bonds. Because I know so much more than you do. And I heard people say that is once you get over 30, your dad gets smarter. You know, once you get over 40, your mom is a genius. Right. I mean, um, but but in, in the midst of that, in the midst, I remember having this argument with my mom and my dad. My mom looks at me and says, Marky boy, in her great accent, Marky boy, we are for you. We're for you. We're going through this because we're for you. We're confronting you because we are for you. We're, we're wanting this behavior, this belief, this affection. We, want, we are wanting this to be taken away because we are for you. Christian, the Holy Spirit is for you. It's been given for you. And we don't see in Romans 8 that it's been given for you so that you can speak languages that nobody else understands, or that you can walk into a room and knock people down, and all these external things that we think and we see sometimes. He says, no, it is, it is given for you so that you would pray correctly, so that you would believe correctly, so that you would love correctly, so that you would hate correctly, so that you would rest. He is for you. He helps us in our weakness, not in our strength. It is great news. So in these couple of verses, I want to break it down for us in three parts. The first, the first thing it addresses in verse 26 is, is the problem with our prayers. Um, and there are, there are a couple problems here with our prayers. The first is just weakness. All right, our, our infirmities, our inabilities... I don't know about you, but sometimes just my concentration in praying. I, I think I've told some of you I pray out loud 
I often pray with my eyes open uh, because I close my eyes and, you know, I remember as a little kid trying to pray, I close my eyes and you know what I would see? I would see a bobber on a cane pole. And I'd see that bobber going like this and then all of a sudden going down, right? And I'm like, no, stop, 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 stop. Let me open my eyes. Right? We have these weaknesses. Some of them are not necessarily sinful. Some of it is just flesh. Some of it is just being tired. What about Jesus in Matthew 26? I mean, in a sad, sad setting, he's like, oh, disciples, could you not stay awake and pray for one hour? Could you not do that for me? It's, again, what an what a encouraging text. I said, the Spirit is here to help us with our weaknesses. He's aware of them. He knows them. He's sent by the Father to aid us, our weakness. God is not sitting back to us and saying, I am so tired of you. When will you get it right? I long to give you this, 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 but you've got to get it right. No, our God is saying, oh, Spirit, help this brother, help this sister. They don't even know what to pray. I have trouble believing that, that I'm even listening. They're so caught up in, in, in things that just aren't, aren't important, but they're so important to them. Go help them in their weakness. The Spirit knows our weakness. But isn't that what we do for one another? You know, so Tammy and I uh, had to go for a funeral yesterday. And uh, we've been married for 100 years. <laughs> and we know each other, right? And it, this traveling, traveling with Tammy is really, I mean, it's like traveling with the EXO on a battleship, right? Everything has its place and its departments and everything is just, I mean, I, I, I brag on her all the time. One of my favorite things to do is just have someone look at the center console in her car. You look at the center console in her car, and I mean, it's all there, right? It's all nicely arranged and organized. Center console in my car may have three different knives, 14 uh, tire pressure gauges, and some gummy bears stuck against the side, right? But we, we, we know each other's weakness. That's probably not a good thing, but lately we've been... It's, it's, not, it's not a good thing, but lately it's been like, boy, I sure hope I die first. Right? I sure hope I die first because I don't know how to do that. The other day, Terry's like, I sure hope I die first because anybody can clean a house, but I can't get my phone to work properly. Well, what do we do with those that we love in their weakness? When we, when we, when we love them in a gospel-centered love, we move towards it, don't we? When we love that person, we're like, this is going to affect her in this way. Let me step in and take that off her. Let me step in and minister to her in this way. Let me not speak this way. Because she will take it because of her upbringing or her dad or her work. Or she'll, she'll take it this way, right? I mean, isn't that what we do? And how wonderful that God says the Spirit Himself helps in our weakness. So we have weakness. The second problem, at least in this text, is our ignorance. Not only are we weak, 
But we don't even know what to pray or to pray as we ought. Whenever we see a Chick-fil-A, because there's not one here, if there is, I would weigh 750 pounds, but we, we always go through and we get the frosted lemonade. Right? We just always go through, and, and that's what happened. Like, that's what happened on Friday. There's a Chick-fil-A. We're going to pull over. We're going to get frosted lemonade. And I love it because there's, a, there's the girl saying, you know, uh, what does she say? You know, my pleasure and happiness and love and joy, peace, patience coming out of her and all that stuff, right? And she goes, now, what's the name on this order? I said, Mark. And she's putting it in there. She goes, with a C or with a K? And I'm like, if you spell it wrong, will I not get my lemonade? And of course, this text was on my mind. I'm like, sometimes Christians are that way. Like, like we're going to pray in the same manner together, okay? If, if 53% of us pray that so-and-so wins the election, so-and-so's going to win the election. But make sure you spell his name right when you're praying for him. Because if you spell his name wrong, then, you know, the God's not going to, what am I supposed to do with this? Right? I mean, that's how we kind of treat it, isn't it? Guys, make up your mind and then, then ask me right? We don't know what we ought to pray. We don't know how we ought to pray. We walk into the throne room in the most holy place. We don't know what to pray. And yet, the Spirit is with us. How wonderful. Let's say there's a third problem, and it's not in your notes, but it should have been came to me on the drive but we forget the Holy Spirit I haven't talked about Sergeant York in a while but there's this beautiful part in Sergeant York where Gary Cooper wrestling with things and he just says he says to his preacher I done forgot the Lord I ain't going to forget him no more but we do we forget we live as if uh, it, it's, it's all up to me and, and, and God only wants me to call on him when I've exhausted every means possible. We forget the Lord. Well, that's our problem. But to that problem, we have these provisions, these promises of the Holy Spirit. Verse 26, 27, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We don't know what to pray, but the Spirit himself intercedes with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is in the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for saints according to the will of God. Here are the provisions. First of all, he says he will help. The Holy Spirit is helper. And it's wonderful that he helps. He doesn't say, I'll do it all, but I come alongside you to help. I put this burden on your shoulder and my shoulder. We yoke together. We, uh, the Spirit lifts our head up. It helps us along God's will. Because some burdens are just too much for us. He knows us. He gets us. He identifies with us. He helps us. Secondly, the text tells us that He intercedes for us. Who better? Who better to intercede for us? And you've had intercessors before. I'm sure you've had intercessors. Uh, a couple of years ago, I had some intercessor that that, uh, that that person just designated themselves without being asked to be an intercessor between me and another person. 
I'm going to be the intercessor between you and this other person. And they, they called me and said, uh, so that person over here was angry with you uh, because of this. And I told that person, the only reason Mark did this is because this, 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 this. I hope that's helpful. I'm like, that's not at all why I said that. No, I, 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 that's not at all what it meant. And why didn't you have that person call me? Why didn't you allow me to explain myself? Did, did that person, were they afraid of me? It was my, you know, we've had intercessors that are bad. But the Spirit of God is our intercessor, our go-between. What a wonderful gift. The Spirit himself who enters and groans with you intercedes for you. Who better? Hebrews 4 the writer talking to the Jews who had lost their intercessors. They'd lost the priesthood. They'd lost all that was going on in the tabernacles and been kicked out. He tells them it's okay because you have Jesus. He's greater than Moses. He's greater than Aaron. He is a priest like no other. Hebrews 4.14, he says, We have a great high priest. He has passed through the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession. For we don't have a high priest who's unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us draw there with confidence into his throne room of grace. John Murray writes, Thus the children of God have two divine intercessors. Christ is their intercessor in the court of heaven, while the Holy Spirit is their intercessor in the theater of their own hearts. Did you catch that? Christ is their intercessor in the throne room, the courtroom of heaven. The Holy Spirit is the intercessor in their own hearts. The other beautiful thing about the Holy Spirit's gift is that his intercession will be according to God's will. Oh, the Holy Spirit, brothers and sisters, is for us. And we can be sure of his intercession because verse 27, we close with these promises of the Father. The promises of the Father, there are at least four here. He who searches, okay, that's verse 27. He who searches hearts, right? That's the Father. The Father searches our hearts. And it says, he who searches the hearts knows what's the mind of the Spirit. Because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. There's at least four promises here. The first is that he searches. Our Father is searching our hearts. Oh, he is searching our hearts in a way that we, we dare not even do ourselves. The Father will do that. The Father will hear. When it says the Spirit groans without words, it's, it's, not, it's not the glossolalia. It's not the, the words that are unable to express in, in unknown tongues. He is saying the Spirit groans on our behalf and he's, he, he doesn't use words. If you've ever been with someone in deep grief, you've ever been with someone who has tremendous loss and you walk into that room or you walk into that house and you're like, what am I going to say? What am I going to say? All right, what verse am I going to give them? What verse am I going to give them? Some people know the best thing to do is to put an arm on a person and groan 
and grow. Spirit does that to us. He will hear. He will answer. Our Father will hear and our Father will answer. Now growing up in church, I was told that there are three ways that God answers, right? You've heard that if you grew up in church. It was yes, no, and wait, right? I'm going to tell you there's four ways that God answers. Yes, no, wait for the yes, wait for the no. We'd, we'd love to have the no at times answered immediately. And sometimes the waiting is God saying, you're not ready to hear the no yet. He searches our hearts. He hears. He answers. And he knows. God knows. Verse 27. He searches our hearts. He knows. Again, if, if you're familiar with the, with the scriptures, that, that word know carries with it such a depth. Right? It, when, when Adam knew his wife, they had a child. Our God knows the knowledge of God is experiential. And it is deep. It's that same word in Exodus 2. Exodus 2, it says, During those many days, the king of Egypt died and the people of Israel groaned. Groaned because of their slavery. And they cried out for help. Their cry for rescue from slavery came to God. We have the introduction of Moses as a type of of Christ is an Old Testament figure that points us to the sufficiency of the once for all Savior that would come. They groaned to God. Their cry for rescue from slavery came up to God. But verse 24 is just beautiful. God heard their groaning. And God remembered His covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. And God saw the people of Israel, and God knew, it says. Oh, how wonderful. God knows you. We talk about the Holy Spirit knowing us, entering into our deepest grief and groaning. But it is even more helpful that the Holy Spirit knows the will of the Father. And He intercedes on our behalf. And what does this mean for us? I'm going to give you seven quick things. First, Christian, you can't make God do something wrong or outside of His will. Isn't it wonderful? You can pray for something absolutely wrong. And God is not bound because 53% of the church prays for it. Number two, it's common for us to groan. It's common for us to groan without words, without knowing what is right or knowing what is wrong. It is okay. Our Father, we can go and we can just say, I don't feel right. I long to be rid of this obsession, of this addiction, 
of this need for everyone to approve of me. Whatever it is, it is all right for us to not even put words to it. Father, we groan. As a child with a sick tummy puts his arms up and just like groans. Thirdly, we ought to pray. This text isn't saying since we don't know what to pray, it's okay, the Spirit has done it. We ought to pray. I mean, it's earlier the, the Scriptures has told us that it's the Spirit that enables our hearts to reach out to God. It's our Spirit, His Spirit that tells us, you're my child, cry out to me, Abba, Father. We ought to pray. It glorifies God and we need not be afraid of doing it wrong. Fourthly, we should pray prayers that are inspired by the Holy Scriptures. When we don't know what to pray, we should go to His Word. Pray the scriptures to him, to know him by knowing his word. Fifthly, we should seek God's glory in your prayers. Sometimes our mind just has to be switched into that mode, like, uh, Holy Spirit, you know me. God, you've searched my heart. You know me. How will you be glorified in what is, what is causing me such pain and agony? How will you be glorified? And at sixthly, we cast all of our anxiety on him. All of it. Scriptures say, cast it all on him because he cares for you. And seventh, remember that your prayers, because the work of, the Je- of, the work of Jesus and the intercession of the Holy Spirit, remember that your prayers come before your Father as a child's does, before a loving and perfect and all-powerful Father. Oh, Christian, the Holy Spirit is for you. Let's pray. Father, even now the Spirit Himself is interceding on our behalf. As your gathered church, your covenant people, as we hear your word, as we are convicted of our sins and we are reminded and drawn into this wonderful gospel message, that He Himself is our righteousness. And in the fullness of time, God would send forth His Son, born of woman, born under the law, that He would redeem those under the law. As in Exodus 2, when they groaned because of their slavery, they cried out that their cry came to You, Father, we groan because of our slavery. Now many of us, Father, are enslaved to the things of this world. And it causes such grief. Father, many of us don't even know what is wrong, and we humble ourselves before you this day. And we say, oh, Father, rescue. Oh, Father, help. And Father, we pray that even these elements, as we take the bread and we drink the cup, oh, Holy Spirit, will you confirm the depth of our soul and our hearts and our minds as one, that we have a Redeemer Our surety stands before you, O Father, in the throne room of heaven. And Holy Spirit, you are there in our hearts ministering to us, sometimes in groans that are unheard. But you are enabling your children to cry out, Abba, Father. Oh, what a gift, Lord. We thank you for the Holy Spirit. We pray these things in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen.